0: Jill did call me and she said, um, hey, I got this call to do a children's choir for the women's Christmas dinner. I don't know anything about leading a choir. I said, well, I really don't either, but I think we can figure this out together. <laughs> so I, I took about six girls from streets and she had been doing ministry at Oasis of Hope. And she took a few girls there, came out to be 11. We rehearsed and wrote a song and got ready to perform for about six weeks and did the show. Are you free?
1: Hi, and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Always a pleasure, friend, to have you stop by. We love our city, and we love what God is up to in a variety of nonprofits and ministries, and especially when they have a plan to provide opportunities for our youth. There is a segment of our population, young girls, that need to be noticed. They need to have an opportunity to discover those talents, those giftings that God has given them, and there's a ministry in town called Angel Street. We've had Jill Dyson on the program. Jill, really, I'm discovering now that she was not a Lone Ranger. <laughs> she has with her Ruth Abigail Smith, co-founder of this work. Yeah. I recently talked to Jill about doing a recap and revisiting the ministry to see what was up to mm-hmm. today. I think the last time has been like five years ago when we got together. Of course, a lot can change in five years. So, Jill said, I'm going to send you the executive director. <laughs> and that's why Ruth Abigail Smith is here, co founder, executive director. Ruth Abigail, welcome to Mid South Viewpoint.
0: Thank you so much, Byron. It is an absolute pleasure to be here. Thanks for having us back on.
1: I love that smile. Yeah. Do, do you carry that everywhere you go?
0: I do the best I can, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Before becoming to Memphis, uh, you're native to Houston, Texas. I am. Tell me about life growing up in Houston. Besides, yeah some hurricanes occasionally sure
0: sure sure well um uh uh, i'd say probably a rung above a hurricane i was a pk or i am a pk so that'll uh and so my father is a pastor and so, growing up in Houston, I grew up in the church. I uh, went to a, a, a Christian school growing up, so was very, very involved and invested in ministry, even as a child. In the church that uh, my father first pastored, we did uh, ministry to um, a neighborhood that had limited resources. And so I was very involved in that kind of ministry, not just not just working in it, but being a part of it. And so it really kind of geared my heart towards that. And I and I kind of knew, as, although I didn't seek it and I really didn't want to do it, but I kind of knew pretty early on, like, that's where I was going to be landing within the nonprofit field yeah. um, in areas with limited access.
1: Well, so when it comes to the church and watching your father in ministry, <laughs> was there any uh-ohs that you looked at? You said, I'm not sure. I want to be in the ministry.
0: 100%. Really? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I, I didn't want to do ministry. I I, um, I wanted to do nonprofit work. I did not want to do ministry. Um I had decided pretty early on, I don't want to work in a church. I don't want to do ministry. I felt like I'd had so much of that growing up, and I just wanted to kind of, not separate from the faith, necessarily. And you, you
1: weren't being rebellious. No,
0: I wasn't really being rebellious, at least not to what people could see. No. But um, I didn't want to really focus on that. I, I thought I wanted to work with young people, but in a little bit of a, of a broader context.
1: What was your first encounter with the arts and music as a young girl? Because I know that was an important part of your life growing yeah, up.
0: It, it was, and it is. Um, I started taking piano lessons at six. Uh, my mom made me do it. She had heard at church uh, one day that um, the pastor said something about talent skipping a generation. So my mom said, you know, (laughs) I don't do it, but my mother does, and my dad's mother did. So it must have hit one of y'all, you go to piano. (laughs) And you stayed with it. And I stayed with it.
1: Do you remember the editorial, Dear Abby, used to be in the newspaper. I don't know if it's still out there or not. People would write in, and there was a, a letter that came to Dear Abby. Somebody wrote to say, I just want to thank my mom for making me stay with the piano. Today they lead a orchestra in one of the major wow. cities in the US. Wow. And it's because their mom said you're going to play that piano.
0: My mom, she was on me. I there was a point where I decided, I think early teens, that I didn't want to anymore and I focused more on sports, but then I got back into it when I was later and I had um in my later years of doing it in high school, uh, that was my encounter with my very first first African-American teacher in my life. And she played both gospel, piano and classical. She was a prodigy. First um, black woman to go to um, North Texas State at like 15. 15. And she she was incredible. And I got connected with her and she changed my whole world. I I didn't know, first of all, that black people could do more than play what I heard in church. And she exposed me and she gave me the confidence to do something I, I, I didn't know I could do. She made me go to college and, um, Furman, Furman university and major in music. I was going to go to college. I wasn't going to major in music, but she, she was like, no, you can do it. She made me do it. So that was everything to me.
1: Well, you know, my next question, I think you possibly answered it. (laughs) Who inspired you most growing up?
0: Oh gosh. I, I mean, so many people, but she is definitely one of them. I, I mean, to this day, she's just incredible. She taught me what I was able to do that. I didn't know what I could do. Uh, she showed me that someone that looked like me could do more than what I thought. But she also not just taught me, but she taught me how to teach. And she would say every time I would spend time with her and, I, you know, lessons are usually an hour. I was over at her house three hours plus most weekends. And she would say, I'm not just I'm not teaching you how to play. I'm, I'm also teaching you how to teach. And so that gave me a appreciation for also passing on that passion yes. to other people. You
1: know, Ruth Abigail, we need desperately mentors like mm-hmm. that, people that will invest and be that inspiration. It was really when I was in high school here in Memphis. By the time I was probably just out of junior high moving into high school, I was ready to quit school. Sure. There was nothing really to inspire me to say, I don't see a future that I want to continue on with education, Hmm. you know? But there was a vocational school. Hmm. And in that vocational school was a recording arts program. It was really one of the first one in the nation where there was a multi-track recording studio in the high school. Where you could learn to be a record producer and audio engineer. And I thought, hey, that's where I want to be. That's what I want to do, be a record producer, you know. There was a professor there who later went on to retire at Belmont Mm -hmm. University in in, uh, Nashville that led the program. But he got me Mm. because he knew some of my learning challenges. I'm dyslexic. Okay. And so I don't learn like everybody else does. I'm more of an audible learner. Mm -hmm. He was willing to hang around after class Mm -hmm. and let me take the test because if I would write the answers down, I wouldn't do very well. But he could ask me the questions and I would ace it every time because I knew the answers. (laughs) You know? So having that someone that was willing to invest in me and so what's tough about today is that in education, teachers don't have that opportunity to specialize in each student.
0: Yeah, no, they don't. It's so hard when you have so many students coming from so many different backgrounds and you have so much pressure on you to do everything. And I think that's one of the things that I know that, I'm grateful to not have had that experience, but also be able to give that experience and kind of come alongside those in the education system because they can't do everything. I have a sister who's a teacher, and she talks all the time how much pressure it is to try to be everything to students. And so you have to have that support outside of the school.
1: I think our teachers today are probably some of the greatest frontline workers. You know, we talk about our other... Emergency services, our doctors, our nurses, and things. But I mean, our teachers are right up oh, there. Right there. And they don't make enough or get enough support. Not at, <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Well, as you mentioned, you went to Furman University. You graduated with an earned bachelor's degree in communications and music. Mm-hmm. Now, when you first entered Furman, what were your plans? You talked about nonprofit work. Were you confused or did you have a clear direction where you wanted to go? I
0: was about as clear as most 18 year olds,
1: Okay, Byron. You, you answered, I, so, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't know. I kind of picked communications, it seemed broader enough. To be totally honest with you, I wanted to do music education, but I did not have enough confidence in my abilities to do it. And I kind of chickened out and I didn't think I was good enough to major in that. So I went with a bachelor's of music, which kind of required less. And I felt like I could do that. But two years in, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I could have done it. And, you know, but it showed me and and it continues to show me that God Makes ways, even though we kind of feel like we make mistakes, he just continues to lead. And so I've spent a lot of my time teaching privately. I've still got to do music education and still got to teach students and pour into them musically, even though I kind of chickened out of the actual formal path to do it. But that was kind of what I wanted to do, was music education. Okay,
1: so you graduate from Furman. You're looking for new opportunities. Mm-hmm. Did you go back to Houston area and back home for a while? How did Memphis come in the picture? Yeah,
0: that's a good question. Um, So, yeah, I went back home for about a year. Actually, my father... Was called to a church here in Memphis. So I decided to put Memphis on my list of cities to look for jobs in. I knew I wanted to leave Houston, but I wasn't sure where. And so I put some feelers out here, got connected to Streets Ministries. Incredible work. Incredible. And I I saw it on the website for the first time. And I said, That's when I feel like God just opened. He said, It's everything I wanted. It was, you know, it was a broad way to reach kids, but in a faith. Context and I, I said that's where I want to work, and so I said I'm coming here to do that.
1: Was it a big change? Houston is such a big city, yeah. I mean, everything's big in Texas, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to come to you know, mid sized yeah. Memphis,
0: huge culture shock, yeah, culture shock. I, I,
1: and what was the biggest culture shock for you?
0: Um, I, you know, Houston is much more diverse than Memphis is, I think that was that was the biggest one. Um, but also, I mean, I, I had gone to college in Greenville, but I had gone to Furman, I, I really didn't experience the city necessarily. So being in a city that's not as big was a, was very different, and then also the um, connection points to people. I mean, one degree separated from folks. I mean, I just wasn't used to that many people. I mean, there were people here that knew me before I knew they were. So I haven't even moved there yet. You know, so I had to get used to that, yeah, um, yeah. which I grew to love. But it was very different.
1: Okay, you moved to Memphis. You start working with uh, Streets. Mm-hmm. Is that where you met Jill Dyson through Streets?
0: Um. No, I actually met her through Hope.
1: Okay, so you started going to Hope. Started
0: going to Hope. So, full disclosure, my father is the pastor of Hope. So I went to Hope, and I was going there. Wait a minute. So,
1: stop a second. Yeah, sure. Your last name is Smith. That's right. So that means your dad is Rufus Smith.
0: That would be him. I
1: had no idea. I love your dad. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> he's an all right person he's a great yeah. guy you know he's been on this show but not very much he's hard to get in the studio yeah i don't think he likes the lights the camera and the action right <laughs> that's,
0: that's funny yeah no nah, he's a great man he's, he is he's, he's one of my role oh ones. i
1: love your dad yeah 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 so
0: i i was going to hope and jill and i actually got connected uh we both were asked to i was asked to play and she was asked to sing at a wedding of somebody that we knew first time we met And we kind of hit it off immediately. (laughs) And uh, after that, she was like, hey, I, I really would love a female musician on my team. So when I get booked to do certain things, you want to come with me and do it? I said, sure. So we started doing women's conferences, weddings, things like that together. And that's how we got to know each
1: okay. other. Well, it was in 2013 that a leader from the Hope Church requested mm-hmm. a children's choir to sing during a woman's Christmas dinner. Do you remember getting that request, what you were thinking about? And yeah. did Jill come to you and say, hey, we got this another yeah. gig to do? What was that all about?
0: Yeah. And so at the time, I had kind of started off doing some stuff at streets, a little bit of music stuff there there were some girls that were interested in learning music so i started kind of doing some things with girls there jill did call me and she said um hey i got this call to do a children's choir for the women's christmas dinner i don't know anything about leading a choir i said well i really don't either but i think we can figure this out (laughs) together so I, i took about six girls from streets and she had been doing ministry at oasis of hope and she took a few girls there came out to be 11 we rehearsed And wrote a song and got ready to perform for about six weeks and did the show.
1: How did you get the girls excited and interested to want to do this you know
0: honestly it's all about relationship all the girls that we asked were girls that we knew and girls that we had built relationships with in other ways and so it was to the point where it's like i mean they call me r.a and like hey if r.a says we're gonna go somewhere we're gonna go somewhere and same with jill like if miss jill wants to go somewhere we're gonna go with them so they didn't really know what they were getting themselves into
1: (laughs) ruth abigail that goes back to that mentoring trust right. the value there there's nothing like it that's when you right. build those relationships
0: yeah that's everything i mean it's really what makes ministry work is relationships and sometimes you don't know what you're building them for and neither one of us certainly could have uh, expected this would turn into what it's turned into but it started off with relationships
1: what impressed you most about these particular 11 girls mm-hmm. after you seeing that christmas yeah. dinner what stands out mm-hmm. to you the things that is they met the challenge yeah. for that and completed that mm-hmm. what did you see among them
0: Won that that they did it. I mean, they sang for the first time. Most of them they hadn't sung in front of people before. Certainly not as a group out of two thousand people. The the courage that they had to do that yeah. was inspiring. I think the joy that they brought to the whole project, the excitement that they had. We went into the studio to record the song we wrote, um, and just seeing them be so proud of themselves and recognizing how powerful that really is.
1: And you mentioned in your own personal life, sports. And sports is a big thing among youth. But not for all youth. Not for everybody. Not for everybody. There's different giftings and talents. And there's actually, I think, hidden talents that haven't been discovered yet.
0: Yes. Oh, my gosh. When
1: there's opportunity like Angel Street, it comes alive.
0: 100%. And back to what you said about one of the things that excited us about the 11 girls, that is a huge thing, watching them discover something about themselves that they didn't know. They didn't know they could sing, first of all. Like, I didn't even know I could sing. I certainly didn't know I could sing in public and really have a good time doing it.
1: You started these auditions. Yeah. Can't imagine what that was like. Oh,
0: it's the best time. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best time. Audition season is everyone's favorite time.
1: So, I mean, did you get positive results? One of the things I always was timid about was auditions, you no, know? <laughs> as you should be.
0: Everybody It's intimidating. It's intimidating to come in front of a group of people that you don't know yeah. and to do something by yourself, let alone sing. I mean, it's very intimidating. We actually got finished with our audition week last week. We auditioned, uh, I think, about sixty-four girls this this year, and it it was every single one of them. I can't sing. Almost every single one of them. I can't sing. I don't what what I'm, I need to. I have to sing in front of these people. Yeah, like it's okay, yeah, but yeah. that is very nerve wracking. And so I I actually applaud them. I don't know that I would have done it.
1: Yeah. Okay. So you got sixty-four yeah. out of that. What happens? Do you have cuts? I mean, do people? I mean, how do you tell? I'm sorry, yeah, you don't. Yeah. You know. I mean,
0: the reality is. Most people can hear pitch, but there are those few that do struggle. And so I'm not going to lie to you, there are some young ladies who that is just not your gift, and we're going to redirect you. I'm a big, big proponent of redirection, because I want you to win. Yeah. I don't want to put you in a circumstance where you won't win. So we want to make sure that they can win. So we try to redirect them. We have other things that they can be involved in, and we make sure to let them know about that. Hey, give
1: me that. some examples of those things.
0: So we have a couple of mentoring programs. One is called Flock, which is our small group Christ-centered character-building group, mainly for middle schoolers. And then we have something called Power Partners, which is our mentoring program that connects young ladies with powerful women in Memphis looking to build equitable and uh, lasting relationships.
1: The name Angel Street, yep. where did it come from?
0: <laughs> yeah, it came from a spur of the moment right before the first show. <laughs> like, so uh, Jill in her uh, personal music ministry, one of her um, signature things was Wings. That was something she just had in her merchandise. And then I was coming from Streets Ministries. And so they kind of just put it together on the spot. Um, well, our other co-founder, Mary Jo Green, I'm, I think came up with it. She's the creative <laughs> of the bunch. And um she said Angel Street. So we said Angel Street, done. And we went on stage. <laughs> and
1: it's been with you ever since. Been
0: with us ever since. You
1: know, I like these things. You know, I was listening to a documentary with uh, Paul McCartney about the Beatles on Hulu. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. Mm. It's incredible. If you're musical and music background yeah. and producing music, and they were talking about song like Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Band, you know, mm. how did that come about? They were in a restaurant, and either John or George asked, Another beetle. hey, pass the salt and pepper. Paul thought he said, pass the Sergeant Pepper. He said, what's the Sergeant Pepper? And so that was oh, really that's funny. Began a song title. Wow. But I love it when there's just these little things that happen, you it know? It you, you get stuck with it. Yeah. Okay, now, how did Angel Street lay out its program philosophy? Uh, what was the most important thing needed to be communicated to the girls participating in the program?
0: Yeah, so... When we first started, it really, um, you know, we wanted to be give arts access to in neighborhoods that had limited access to the arts. Like that was our main focus. And as we continue to do that for us, music has always been the vehicle. Right. To get to building deeper relationships and having deeper impact. So the girls, most of them get excited about the music. That's the first thing that they want to do. They want to do music. They want to sing. And then once we get them in, then we can start to build those relationships. And connect them in deeper ways to each other and then to other adults. And so that—that that is um, our programming and the way that we think about it is is—is that we want to layer it um, to where we have the choir that involves just about everybody. And then we have these other layers of deeper right. connection that we want to be able to, to, to offer.
1: Ruth Abigail, when you start building that trust and yeah. they realize that they've got a friend in you yeah. and they can talk to you. How transparent do they become with their lives yeah. and, and the pain mm-hmm. that they live with maybe at home yeah. or that they're facing?
0: It's a great question. It depends on the child. Some are much more reserved um, and some are wide open pretty much immediately. So it just kind of depends, but they are um, transparent. Those would have been with us for years. We have relationships not with just with them, but honestly with families and with parents. Sometimes we know their siblings, the ones that again have been with us for a while. We do get pretty transparent, you know, particularly this last year. It's been so taxing and so challenging. We have been, I think, challenged as a team to pay deeper attention to what's really going on inside of the young young girls and and young people, because a lot of times young people just typically want to please adults like that is that's kind of how we train them and really. But you don't want necessarily adults to know that something's wrong. You want to put on a good face most of the time or just say, I'll deal with it. But this past year has been really, really hard. And we've seen that it's just too hard to bear by yourself. And so we have heard a lot more, I think, transparency from, you know, mental health challenges, which I think everyone is is having to difficulty at home because, you know, maybe um, parents aren't able to work as much and jobs are changing. That mo- You have to move. You have to change schools school in and of itself virtual school and not feeling like you're doing well there yeah. all these different things and and it impacts you and it impacts them in a way that they probably don't even really know how to
1: ex- exactly to explain. yeah did you guys have to shut down meeting times or did you have to adjust the way you did what you do
0: we absolutely did we went virtual like everybody else and we did we did the best we could our our incredible incredible music team um Really found a way to engage girls more so even one on one when it comes to singing and kind of um, use the virtual space like that. But to be quite honest with you, we didn't retain a ton because being on virtual learning all day and then we are asking you to come for another hour and a half on Zoom again. Right. You just get tired of it. Yes. You know, you get yeah. tired of it. And so we did that for about a semester. And then we said, you know what? We're going to figure this out. Like, so we said, we're going to figure out the way to do it safely because we understand that for what we do, being in person is critical yeah. and they need it. Yeah. And and they and so we, we saw a drastic increase in participation once we went back in person.
1: How did you do that?
0: Yeah. We did all the things you do. We spaced out. We have masks. We have hand sanitizer. We do group pod testing once a week for them. We have face shields. You you, you do what you you can do. You know, we take temperature checks. We do everything you do. So we adjusted. We adjusted. We split them up. Um, One group could come in for a week, and then we have another group for a week so that we have enough space for for everybody that wanted to participate.
1: You know, when you present the gospel. It has different paths presenting the same message. Apostle Paul talked about planting and watering and you know and sowing it compared to planting talk about the gospel presentation the gospel as it is presented to the girls through the program
0: yeah the primary way that we present the gospel first is through relationship I can't, I can't stress that enough um, isn't that
1: the way Jesus did it's the, it though
0: right I yeah. mean isn't it you yeah. know and yeah. so really just taking time to get to know who they are loving them for who they are where they are right now no no questions asked no unconditional and then you You begin to build that trust to begin to speak into their lives and share with them a deeper understanding of who God is. And so the more formal presentation of the gospel and biblical principles happens within the context of flock. But even that is where they are, like, you know, answering questions that they may have.
1: And we're talking about girls between what ages?
0: Um, For the most part, we serve girls between about third to eighth grade is our target, but anybody from eight to 18.
1: Okay. Yeah. Two things you really stress Mm. is music and fun.
0: (laughs) Absolutely.
1: (laughs) So how do you tie this all together?
0: Yeah. So we like I said, they love singing and performing like performing is is really where the fun kind of comes in when you yeah. get to come when you get to show people show the audience what you've been doing um, and they stand up and they clap and you know they they're 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 enjoying it just as much as you are. So that's amazing we get to do experiences we we go on studio tours we do fun activities we do all the things you know that we try to do a lot of things that kids love to do um and just be with each other you know they love being together Um, and as much as we can do that we we try to
1: do that and i think there's a special young lady who's come through the ranks (laughs) that uh, has also invested some time back in Mm. To where these young girls have come from?
0: Yes, yes. So Taryn Bass Woods now was one of our original eleven. She was seventeen when she started, and she'd all she'd known that she'd always wanted to be a recording artist, and so she wanted to do music for a living Has an incredible voice, incredible. She has
1: sung at my church. Is oh, isn't she, yeah. like, yes, she is incredible. Is she incredible? Yes, yes. Um,
0: and so because Jill had gone down that path of of doing a music career, she said. I can walk with you. I can show you how to do this. And so to this day, Jill is her manager. She is on the um, Toby Max team and has her own music out. She's, She's top charts on all these things. I mean, she's doing incredible stuff, has several singles out, and is just finding her lane in the music world.
1: She's hanging out with a friend of mine right now, Ken Stortz, uh, working on writing some music and kind of brushing up some of those areas of songwriting.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Yes. And y'all do that, too. We do. We do songwriting. So our team, one of our team members is part of a local group called Adagio. Um, It's a uh, four-female group, and she's been a part of that since she was in high school. But she's a songwriter, and she has a passion. passion for songwriting. Her name is Joy. She and um, um, our choir director, Candice, started something called Vocal Boot Camp. And this was, um, I believe, last year. And so songwriting is a big part of that. It's a great way for the girls to be creative, to really pour out what's inside of them. We want to create music and have original music that says, this is who you are. And it really brings out your personality, your passions. And then we get to record it and share it with everyone.
1: Oh, it's beautiful. What's the best way to learn more about Angel Street?
0: Yeah, so you can go to our website, angelstreetmemphis.com, and that will keep you up to date on everything that we're doing. Um, We have a couple of pretty fun things coming up. That we would love people to come out to. Um, We uh, are doing something on September 30th called Hops and Halos. It's an opportunity, family event, to come out and and enjoy that. The girls will be singing and performing um, the first time this year. And we also have a golf tournament that is a great way to get involved. But we also have. No <laughs> not so much uh, but all that stuff is on our website to just trying to get get involved but we also we have volunteer opportunities for people to come and just see and then how do you get plugged in you know whether it's being a power partner whether it's um, bringing a meal whether it's leading a a group at some point we would love for people to just come be engaged see where you want to plug in and what's that website AngelStreetMemphis.com
1: now if somebody listening, wants to maybe have the girls do a special yeah. event for them they've got something that they think this would be great for angel street to come to yep. are you available to do that
0: yeah we are we are in the spring god has been so faithful and we are pretty much booked for the fall and so that's that's pretty fun but we are we would love to do stuff in the spring there's a place on our website where you can go to book performances and then it'll come straight to us and we'll get right back to you
1: and get that address one more time it's angel Ruth Abigail Smith God bless you my sister
0: <laughs> thank you Byron this has been phenomenal thank
1: you so much for what you're doing with Angel Street and the yeah. girls for Christ's kingdom mm-hmm. this is great to mm-hmm. share more and, and bring our friends up to date I'm just so glad mm-hmm. that Angel Street is here and continuing to do the work that God's called you guys to yeah. do we're gonna have to continue to have updates in the future yes absolutely maybe even do a show where we have the girls come to a concert for us oh
0: come on of course Byron we, yeah. we we're, we're here in a minute <laughs> I Love it.
1: well friends that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint i really Really appreciate you stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.